word this evening. Thank you, Lord, for the word. We give heed to your word. It is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And we take the transaction. Right now, Lord, we determine this next few minutes. We will have a transaction with the word of God. We will be changed. We will be transformed. We will be renewed in our mind. And Lord, revelation will flow and we will get up from this place saying, I have the new plan in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, that's right. Uh, let's turn to Second Corinthians chapter eight tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm changing the title from last week. Sometimes you just have to go through it and find out what what the thing was all about. And so I, I'm going to talk about the design of Bible supply. You never heard one like that. It's uh, we, we could call it a hundred things, but uh, uh, last week I called it your dream has eyes. So this is quite a bit different. The design of Bible supply. Second Corinthians chapter eight. So let's ask a question tonight. Let's 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 pull a spot open in our heart that we can fill. You know, you if you don't have a question, then the, whatever's said doesn't give you an answer. So why are we why are you why are we considered to be in some places like Lynn just testified to be a radical Christian? Maybe radical is not the right word, uh, a peculiar Christian or, may, you know, or whatever. Why are you different than many of your friends or maybe different than the way when 10 years ago or 20 years ago when you thought different or whatever? What is the difference? What what makes you different now and different, peculiar in your approach to life? I think sometimes you got to ask that question because it may come up again. Well, as I talk to people and visit, I find out the difference is that we read the Bible and believed it. I wish you could say it was just some mystical secret that, that nobody ever could ever have figured out. But actually, we read the Bible. And when it says he healed them all, we just believed that he healed them all. We just believed that when he cast out devils and said, go and do likewise, that we have authority over demons. We just we read the Bible and we believed it at some point. Maybe not all of it at first, but as we keep reading, we say, yeah, well, that's that's the truth. And there's no motive to not believe anymore. No motive not to believe. So when at one point or when people come in, they have a motive like I'm going to listen to this guy or, or whatever. And I'm going to see if I believe. But praise God, we're past that. We come in saying, yay, verily. We come in saying yes to Jesus. Bring me the stuff. I will believe before I even of course, there's always that catch there, that, but, but we're comfortable being able to spit it out and turn it. So except when we have a contrast to the tr traditions of men, we are believers now. We don't even know what all the things we believe, but <clears throat> when we run into them, we'll look at them, test them with the word, and we'll believe and we'll come up higher. We'll, we'll have a... Uh, so we're buying into the kingdom we're buying into what Melissa told me Sunday. We're buying into the process. Isn't that good? Yeah. Coach Saban is just an amazing man. 
Uh, and it's way more than football. It's way more than that. Uh, but but he's, he's discovered it, and we've been on it ourselves for a long time, the process. There's principles and patterns that the Lord has given us. That's why we need the Old Testament is because we can test the New Testament patterns and principles against that. And uh, even things that are changed, like the dietary law, things that aren't the same in the sense of you, you couldn't eat pork, but now you can. It, it didn't change the principle or the pattern. It just, it just evolved because of what Jesus did. He came in and intervened, and so it took another course, but it's still according to uh, be holy, even as I am holy. It's, it's in that same deal. So uh, we have bought into the process of the kingdom of God. What makes you different? Well, you've bought in, whether you know it or not, you've bought into the process. We're looking for God's way instead of the curse that's on the world, just saying, well, that's, it is what it is. Well, everybody says that, but it isn't. It is what it is till I say it's not. You know, if a plane's going to fall, I heard Melissa say the other day, no plane I'm in can ever fall out of the sky. We, we say that. Well, well, it is what it is until I say it won't fall out of the sky with me in it. So we're the curse that's in our word in negative words has been broken. And now we're speaking. So said all that to say this. We're talking about the design of Bible supply. What we need to know, what is God's side? What is his program? What is his kingdom? What is his pattern? What is his principle? We need to know. Because then we can predict how we're going to go. We won't have to say, well, I have to have to wait and see. See how I feel and see how the money is and see how, uh, you know, the, the situation is, a homeless person or a... See, we, we can know in advance. We don't have to wait until the zero hour and say, well, okay, I feel that way or I have this much money. We already know up front. There's plenty more where that came from. So we're going to jump in. We're, we're already making plans way before we get there. We've bought into the process of the kingdom of God. But what is God's responsibility to us? We need to know that. We need to know what we can depend on. And you can only depend on what God said he will do. And if he said we won't do that, you, you <laughs> don't, go, go, don't go down that gopher hole because something will bite you back. And so we, we, uh, are we on our own? People raise their kids different. They, they raise them and they, they buy everything for them and they buy their car, their truck, and they, they, they paid all their college. That's one way of doing it. There's not, a, there's not a good way or a bad way. That's just how it is. And then there's other people that said, here, son, take the family lawnmower and go down the street and ask everybody, knock on every door and see if you'd mow their grass and buy you a pickup. That's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's just different. It's not better or worse. So we need to know about God. Are we on our own? Is he going to buy our pickup or do we have to buy our pickup, so to speak? Uh, or is it a totally heavenly welfare system? Is it just uh, uh, are we on our own? Do we have to do it ourselves or does he just do everything? Kind of an entitlement thing that like we have in the earth. Uh, I notice, and you probably have too, but we're, and we're stopping this. If you ever did do it, we're stopping it, where we apologize for anything nice in our life. 
There was a time in, in, in our lives that uh, people gave us things. We were just like you. We were seed sowers. And so people would give us. Uh, when we got married, we had we our, our style of furniture. What style do you have? We have early Newcomb is what we had. <laughs> uh, Debbie and her mother recovered this old couch and that old chair. And and then when we moved uh, up to. Uh, uh, Wolferth, uh, I put her little rocker that her and mother, her and her mother worked on for weeks, and had it. It was a little, is a perfect little rocker, but we didn't tie that puppy down because there's no way that thing could blow out of a pickup going 70 miles an hour up through. <laughs> that was a bad day, <laughs> but we had early Newcomb, and and everybody was giving us stuff, so we had nice stuff even though it was used. And so people would come in or people would give us paintings. We've just been on the good side of everything. And so people would come around and say, oh, that's nice. Or you'd have a new, she'd have a new dress on. Or we'd have something, you know, that was nice. And so they'd say, wow, that must be new. And you can just get the tone of it. That, that must be new. And they wait for you to apologize for it. And usually we did. We said, well, that was given to us or we got that on sale. That's what most people say. We got that on sale. It's not what you think. We didn't go out and spend. And it's like, that's what we used to do. Now, that's what we used to do. I don't know if you used to do that or not, but evolving into the kingdom of heaven and the blessing that comes on us, we used to feel guilty for that because we were a little bit unworthy. Because spiritual people were coming around and they didn't have what we had and they'd been around a lot longer and had better jobs and all that. But their stuff just fell through their pockets because they didn't get it for whatever for whatever reason. Do you all know what I'm talking about here? And then all of a sudden you go, yeah, isn't that nice? That painting on the wall, isn't that nice? She got you got a new Debbie, you got a real that's a real pretty dress. Where'd you get it? Got it at Hemp Hill Wells, which would be like Dillard's or something, and then just stop. Not apologize. Not didn't get it on sale. Probably did get it on sale. Well, yeah, I, I, I know we got it on sale. But just quit apologizing for the blessings of God. And, it, and uh, uh, so after you move into a house, everybody wants to know, well, how'd they do that? Well, it was the blessings of the Lord. It was not because of selling stuff under the table and it wasn't, be, you know, it was, it was legitimate, but the blessing of the Lord added blessings and it was coming on us. So uh, now we're at the process or should be, I think, just in this group here and on broadcast where we quit skating around what we really want. Used to, we wouldn't ask for something that was nice. I mean, real nice, because after all, we're waiting for everybody to catch up. There's been people that have come to this church and left because they said he's got a better car or a better house than we do. The preacher does. And that's just not right or whatever. It, get back, it gets back to you. You know, where are they? Well, they didn't like what you drove up in and they've been they went to a ladies meeting at your house and they didn't like that. They thought that was too uppity for for the preacher and all that. You got to, everybody has to deal with that. Because it just keeps coming. There's no end to the blessing of the Lord. 
unless we stop it, unless we apologize for it, unless we're ashamed of it, unless we, in, unless we keep it from coming back. And, uh, you know, we have a rule here at River Church. I don't care what you wear if you don't care what I wear. I want to wear a red tie on Sunday, but I don't care if anybody wears one ever. I don't care. I really don't care. But I just don't want you caring. Like, well, what's who he think he is? I, I like to go to church in a tie on Sunday morning. So sometimes I wear a stop sign. It, it can change. Hallelujah. So we, we're changing. As we get more revelation, we're changing. But the Lord was already there from the beginning. He, he had already processed this out and he was good with it from the beginning. But we were insecure. But now we've read the Bible and listen, we believed it. It was always in the Bible, and it was always there for us to believe it. But we just couldn't because culture was so strong. So I want to just share a few scriptures with you this evening. Quite a few, actually. <laughs> uh, and, and just talk about the design of Bible supply. I don't know how far we'll get this evening. You'll, you'll know all of this. But it's good even when you know it in your head to let it impact you down here, make a transaction. So then not only just know it with guilt or shame or or whatever. It's good to hear the word and be clean. Be bold. We got bold Monday night in IHOP. We sang a song together out loud, quite boisterously. And uh, all the strings were off my guitar, so I didn't get to play along. But, but it's just like we're, boldness comes with confidence. If you know you lay hands on the sick, that they're going to change, you don't mind laying hands on the sick. Because you're going to set the captives free and represent the Lord Jesus. So 2 Corinthians 8, 9, you know this, we all know this, but we're going to go back to the basics. Let's read it together. Verse 9, ready, read. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. That's the covenant scripture that God uses to supply you and me beyond our natural means, beyond your job, beyond your inheritance, beyond the lotto or whatever you find a ticket in the parking lot. So what we say, the Amplified says, though he was so very rich. Don't you just love these adjectives that are in the Bible? Rich is rich. rich. When someone you say they're rich, you go, they're rich. But apparently there's a room to be so very rich. Yet for your sakes, he became so very poor in order that by his poverty, you might become enriched, abundantly supplied. That's what the Bible says. And so if we're mature, if we've grown up, if we if we're not afraid anymore, we'll believe it. And believing then has to come and mature into the place that you not only believe it in your head, you assent, but you believe it so much you do it. That's the only time we really believe anything is that when it changes our lifestyle, changes what we do. We believe it. So we have a little help there that says there's plenty more where that came from. That's that's kind of eight, nine in a little American colloquialism. There's plenty more where that came from. 
instead of, well, you never know what God's going to do. And the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away and all that junk mess. The Passion Version says you have experienced, for you have experienced the extravagant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to read that again. I just love it. For you have experienced the extravagant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although he was infinitely rich, he impoverished himself for our sake so that by his poverty, we could become rich beyond measure. Would you say that last part with me? Rich beyond measure. Now, that's what the Bible says about you and me. And if we're going to grow up, and we are, we have and we are, we're grow, we've grown and we're growing, we're going to say that's the way it's supposed to be. That, not only does that not irk the Lord that we do it, it pleases him because faith pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible, but faith pleases God. So we say, sign me up, Lord. I'll take some. You already did it. It's not like, well, Lord, I hate to send you to the cross for that. Well, he's already been. He's already down. He's already rose from the dead and triumphed over all this. And so he said, uh, I've made you, what do you say? Abound, uh, uh, rich beyond measure. Measure? That's a little, that's a little out there. Measure. We can measure. Solomon was 2.3 trillion dollars. You can't measure a trillion. I'm telling you. I, I, I worked on a billion one time and it's beyond measure. We throw it around in America, but it's not supposed to be a figure that we throw around except in the kingdom. Second Corinthians 9, 8, 9, 8. So slip over one page. We like this scripture, verse 8, just talking about the the design of Bible supply. So we're going to start with the Bible because that's God speaking to me. Did you get that? The Bible is God speaking to me. So God speaking to me, he said in verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, Michael Ray. Really? Yeah, that you have always, always, in every situation, every day, every downturn, every recession, every gas going to $17 a gallon, always having all sufficiency in all things, you, Michael, can, uh, may abound to every good work, every good work, everything I put my hand to, he said, I'll be there for you. I'll abound. I'll make you abound. I'll make you look so good. Just don't let, just don't let like, well, I hope this money holds out for the end of this project. And I, and I, I hope that, <laughs> and we've all done that. Now, Philippians chapter four, we're slipping right through this. Philippians chapter four, you know where we're going there. Now look in verse 10, if you would. And let's find out what really goes on in this verse so that we are careful not to take anything out of context. You know, that's how bad things happen, is when you take something good and you take it out of context and make it say something that the Lord didn't or make it where it didn't say everything that he said. In verse 10, uh, Paul said to the church, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now finally at last <laughs> your care of me hath flourished again. So there's history there, isn't it? Uh, 
wherein ye were also careful, mindful, but ye lacked opportunity. So he's kind of talking to him there about the past. Not that I speak in respect of want. So let's get these wants and these needs and necessities. Let's get these words sorted out. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. So here we're going to see that happiness is learned. It's not depending on what's going on or who brings it. Happiness is learned that in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. The word content there means sufficient. I know both how to be abased, and I don't think anybody in here has ever been abased. We've, we've drove by abased, and we've read about abased, but probably none of us have ever been under the bridge. But if you're on broadcast and you have, well, we've we got a verse for you. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full, instructed to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So he said, in order, if you, in order to be happy, to be sufficient, if you have to be hungry, it's better just to be hungry in order to maintain who you are. Hunger will come and hunger will go. But he said, you got to stay consistent. You got to stay happy. You got to stay content. And then after that, uh, he said, both to abound and to suffer need. Both to abound and to suffer need. Then he said, then he said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me, or the word is empowers me. That's the context. That's where he was saying. No matter which way it goes, I'm, I'm a doer, I'm a winner, I come out on top, I'm content, I'm happy, I'm, I'm, su I'm sufficient. No matter how it goes, because of him. He's, he's laying the source of his happiness into the Lord, which strengthens him, that makes up the gap. Uh, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. <clears throat> Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, so this is the beginning of the gospel, isn't it? This is the early, early church. When I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me, that means gave, with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Praise God, it just takes one. It doesn't matter if the whole world is on your side. You just need somebody. I said, we all need somebody to carry the water. We don't have to, well, where's all the other people that I helped? Where's all the other people that God could have sent? It doesn't matter. You know, we, we say people that want to get married or start a business or mostly get married. We say, well, there's, there's, no, there's no women. There's no girls out there that I'd want to have. Not... They're, they're all this, they're all worldly and all that. I said, but darling, you just need one. And all of us just need one. Don't touch the, deuce, the dose. Don't touch the dose. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once again unto my necessity. My necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you 
an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. So he said more than what came was the truth that you sent it. So family, don't forget how important and powerful your words are to people and what your gifts or your communication is to people. It may not change your situation, but it's so powerful to have impartation. And then he said, then he said, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Then he said, but my God shall supply all your need. Who was the y'all in this, all your need? It was the people that dug deep, that sacrificed, that sent to him only. He said, God's going to supply your need. You obeyed me in the giving. God's going to take care of you in the end. My God shall supply all your need. Now look at that word there, according, according. So there's a measure, there's a scale, there's a gradient to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Because somebody can say they can, Christmas is coming, they'll have the, the, the bucket in front of uh, the mall and ding, 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 the little bell and everything. And everybody can leave that saying, I gave. But it might be a nickel. It might be sometimes there's been like $5,000 crammed into that little slot. And, but they can all say they gave. Well, here he says, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to give according to my riches and glory by the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I have been just all week long mashing around on that according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I've never heard that taught. I, don't, I didn't know what it meant. I'm, we assume, but I went to work. And so uh, the word according there, I, I'm going to supply to the same level as my riches in glory. So the Lord was saying, I'm going to share with you according to, listen, my scale of wealth. We just read 2 Corinthians 8, 9 became impoverished that you through his poverty might be very rich. He said, I'm going to give to you. Well, the only way you and I could be very rich is if he gave it to us. <laughs> so if we were very rich, that means he was and he gave it to us. So according there means according to God's standard of wealth. Hey, that's good. It might be different in other countries. We've talked about it in the Philippines. Wealth might be having a bicycle and running water in your house. You, you might be the, the king of the neighborhood, and we would not be too impressed here in America in some cases with that. So I looked up the word need in the Greek, because that's a real sticky word. Everybody wants to say, well, he'll supply your needs, but he won't give you your wants, your desires. And I just had a sneak, and that wasn't true. So I looked it up in the Greek, and the word, you can look it up yourself. It does mean lack. My God shall supply all your lack. It means what is needed. Same word. It means necessity. My God shall supply your necessity. So that sounds kind of like bare bones down to the bottom. But then it says it also means want. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Want what? Well, it means failure. It means lessened. It means need. But the word is also translated wish. Oh, there it is. You know, if you look hard enough, you can find what you want to find. And I wanted to find more than your basic, God will just get you down the road 
He'll give you a meal ticket for today, but you'll have to come back tomorrow to get another one. No, he, did, he gives us our, our wants as well. Well, what do you want? Well, you're going to have to want the necessities of life. Absolutely, the necessity, the basics, the what we all have to have just to get by. But I, it takes more than that for me now. Maybe it shouldn't. Maybe we could all live under the bridge together and, and pass the, the economy-sized pork and beans can around and all take a bite and keep it going around until it's gone. You know, we, we could do it. Like Paul said, I've been abased and I abound. I can, I can do that. But he didn't want to. He said, I'm happy with whatever, but that's not where I'm trying to be. And you and I, we, we don't want to be there. We want to abound. It's in us to abound. The, the one of more than enough is inside of us. The one that's generous is inside of us. And that generosity is in us, and we want to be generous. And to be generous, you're going to have to have seed. Well, I want seed. I don't want to just have enough for me, my four and no more. I want seed to sow. I want to be hospitable. I want to serve him by serving people. I want to turn on the lights in this place. So it's more than just your necessities. And people that are religious will argue that. They'll say, well, it's just, it's just your ground zero. Um, so I looked up the word rich. It says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Riches. So that's pretty obvious, but it really does mean riches. People will say it means spiritual riches. Well, you can tell they never looked in the Greek because the Greek means wealth and fullness. But it literally, literally, the word is used to mean money, possessions, abundant, riches. The word goes on to describe in the dictionary, the Greek dictionary, that it means a valuable endowment. According to his riches in glory, it's a valuable endowment. And then it used a word I don't even know what means, a bestowment. So I guess that's when he somebody bestows on you. You've been... You've got a bestowment. But anyway, the word means a transfer of physical possessions in the wealth and riches realm. Hey, buddy, you got a dime? You got a quarter? Can you spare for a cup of coffee? That's what the, what's what the beggars, that's what the, the needy will say. Uh, we, we, we're, not, we're not settling for that. We want an endowment. We want a transfer of wealth. So that's what it means, a valuable endowment. So then I went to the word glory, because that's the catch word here. We're going to try to understand what the design of Bible supply. So we'll be settled so that we won't say, yeah, but or somebody accosts us and says, well, that means that just means spiritual blessings. And it just means your basic necessities and try to put something on you. You need to know what it means. You need to know what God's saying to you. And glory is what an interesting word. It means, I looked it up, I'm quoting the, the place I looked it up, an apparent manifestation. So it's not a dream. It's not a vision. It's not an image in your mind where you thought about the Lord came on you and you thought about His glory and what that would be. The word says to render or esteem what is evidenced as glorious. So it's a real thing. It's not, it's not fantasy. It's not a mist. It's not a cloud. It's a real thing. According to his riches in glory. 
So the word glory, the first time it's used in the Bible back in, I think it's numbers. The first time the word glory is used, it's a money word. Is that right? Y'all have y'all known that? It's 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 somewhere back there. I could find it. But the word is used first to talk about wealth. Glory is also wealth by his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So verse 19 in the Amplified says, uh, according to uh, it means to liberally supply to the full. God wants to give you according to his liberal supply to the full and the. New Living said he wants to supply us from his glorious riches. I, I guess God's got some stuff. Yeah, I, we can't take it with us, but apparently he can. <laughs> Streets of gold, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so I, this word, and I want to just spend a minute here because I think it's important uh, to, to tap into the truth, the reality, the revelation the, the transaction of what was really happening in this verse that's so powerful where he said, but my God shall supply all of your need, all your wants, according to his riches in glory, according to heaven's standard of wealth by Christ Jesus. So I went and looked, took this word, uh, the riches of his glory according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I wanted to know if it was in the Bible anywhere. Well, it's not, but guess what is? His glory is everywhere. In Romans 2, 4, the, it says the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, the goodness of his riches. So you go, well, you're not just rich in money, Lord. You're rich in goodness and forbearance and long suffering. Well, we'd all say that's a good thing and that it never ends. It's not like, oh, you should have been here yesterday. We ran out of forbearance about five o'clock and we, we, we just, you come back tomorrow, we'll see if we get any in. It's not that way at all. In Romans 4.23, it says, of his glory, of his inheritance. The fullness of his glory, of his inheritance. Uh, Romans 11.33 says, the depth of... Of the rich, listen, this is describing God, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. The depth of the riches. God describes his volume or his capacity or who he, what he's got to give us. He describes it according to his riches. He said, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Well, that that gives us context according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, that he's not just throwing that out there. Everything he's got is measured by riches, at least from our mortal side. That's what we understand. Oh, that's not all. Ephesians 1, 7, according to the riches of his grace. Aren't you all glad God is rich in grace? 118 says, according to the riches of the glory of his inheritance. According to the riches of the glory, Ephesians 2, 7, exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness has nothing to do really with supply all your need. But it's talking about God. And if you can find out how over the top he is in his other attributes, then it gives weight to saying money's no big deal because his mercy, his kindness, his wisdom, his knowledge, he measures it by riches. Uh, 3, 7, Ephesians 3, 7, according to the gift of the grace of God, the gift of the grace of God. Uh, 
uh, Ephesians 3.16, according to the riches of his glory. I'm impressed. Colossians 1.11, according to his glorious power. According, according. So he's doing business in the earth, not according to what we can handle or what we need. He's, he's doing business according to his glorious power. I think he's coming in fully loaded. I think he's got all he needs to handle anything according to his glorious power. For 2 Timothy 1.18 says, according to the power of God. I mean, just blow you up. According to the power of God, there's nothing that can even stand on the same platform as anything that's according to the power of God. He said, that's what I use to deal with my people. All these accordings are according, I'm dealing with you in my kindness, my goodness, my knowledge, my mercy. I'm dealing according to who I am. Not just a little dabble, do you? I am coming to your rescue with everything I've got. All the angels in heaven, all my glory, all my mercy, all my goodness, and all my riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We all want that other stuff. We all don't want him to run out of that goodness business. But I don't want him to run out of that, that riches stuff either. So Malachi 3.10, it's in the same vein. We quote it all the time. And see if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you'll not be able to easily receive it. And the, and the commentary says until it overflows. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Have it till it overflows. So the design of Bible supply. So we're looking at God's design. I will say this, and I'll quit with this. If you put God in the same salvation mode that men identify in the supply realm. In other words, if you took, if you took what religion says about the supply of God for men and you... You locked that in and you went over here and pasted it on the salvation mode. You would see that that uh, that we have a limited salvation. In other words, if he, according to religion, can hardly supply our need. Don't you be asking for nothing extra. Don't you be asking for those wants and desires, those extravagances like an old pickup truck. So you can both go to work at the same time. Don't you be, so if, if you put God in the same salvation realm that religion puts the financial realm in the church, th did y'all not know that the, the idiom that's in the church is, is God, we got a new pastor coming. Uh, you keep him humble, we'll keep him poor. And, and Debbie's grandfather told me all the time he was in my church. He said he didn't know what I was being paid. I didn't tell any of them. I think that their hair would come on fire if they knew I was making more than $10 a week. He said, you just preach twice a week. You're just up there two hours. What is the big deal? <laughs> so that's everywhere. I mean, he was kidding, but he wasn't. You know what I mean? So, uh, so uh, what, kind of what kind of salvation experience would we have if we take what most religion says about money from God to supply us, we, would, we wouldn't have a sonship. We wouldn't have a sit at the right hand of the Father sonship. We'd have a servant position. And I'm telling you, that's what religion thinks about you and me. We're servants. 
were servants and handmaidens. I do not like that word handmaiden. It is not a New Testament term. It is an old covenant term. And I know it means well, and everybody's just trying to figure out what to call everybody. But that's not the truth. We are not. We are sons and daughters. We are sitting at the right hand of the Father. We are right there with the Lord Jesus, son number one. And we're son two through four billion or whatever. We're right there stacked up on one throne. <laughs> so if uh, so religion denies the new birth based on how they think about money. If you applied their thought about God's money and supply, depending on him, depending on him, nobody, nobody, religion does not depend on the Lord for their money. They, they just hope he's not taking any of it. So in that, they denied the new birth because in the same realm of thinking, they're denying the new supply. So let's go right here. They, uh, 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 they make God a cranky banker. I've been in a lot of bankers in my young life when I was farming. I had to go to the, see the banker every year and repent of all my sins. They, they always wanted to give me, if, I, if they were going to finance me the next year, I had to agree to take the tithe out. Yeah, because my banker was the money counter at the First Baptist Church. He was the head of... They always put bankers in there. And so he said, no more. You can, we're, not, we're not even going to go with you. And so I never signed anything. And I tithed the whole time. I mean, we, 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 I, don't, I don't know if I lied. I, I, now that I think about it, maybe I did lie. But uh, <laughs> I got the loan is what I'm saying. Somehow I got the loan, but I, I never quit tithing. But that's, what that, that's how they're, they make God a cranky banker. That says, why should we fund you? You hadn't been that good of a Christian. You hadn't done that. You don't go the here all the time and you don't do that all the time. So why should I fund you? That's what they make God, a cranky banker. But I'm telling you what. Now, listen, this is the truth. No matter what you do or don't do, God has always got his hand on the handle all the way forward. Or is it pull it back when you take off in a jet? Don't. They push him forward. Yeah, you push him forward. He's, he's already touching the, the cockpit there with the handle. He never slows down because we dip a little of this or smoke a little of that or don't go. He, it doesn't bother him a bit. I know religion denies the new birth by rehandling forgiveness of sin. And we, we were talking this week about in some churches how they, if you sin... Lynn, Lynn was talking about it, that they, they drag, you have to go up to the front of the church and repent of it. And there was a woman that uh, we knew in West Texas that her husband beat her and left her and her four kids, ran off with uh, the, the somebody, some woman, and whatever. And so she, and, and divorced her. Well, she was guilty of adultery. Does that sound a little wrong? <laughs> But they had her come up to the front of the church and repent of being an adulteress. So I'm saying it can get a little crazy out there in religion land and the forgiveness of sin. And lastly, religion denies the new birth by qualifying healing. You, you got to be something special. You got to be something hot on the stick to get healing from God. 
Otherwise, you may just get half healed or you may get a, you may get a conditional healing. We'll, we'll let you have a little bit now. People, what I call, they rehandle the kingdom of God. He sent his word and then we, we parse it out. Religion parses it out and says, this is what he means. And you can't have this and you can't have that. And we just got to break free of it and say, that's not God's supply. You and me, all of us in our natural state, we would judge judgment and judge character and judge performance and say, you're going to get what you deserve. It's kind of like going to work. If you're if you've got a big degree and you can do this and that, we'll pay you more than if we're going to have you go out and dig a ditch. Well, that's kind of the way the kingdom is. It's like, well, what can you do? That's what you're going to get from from God. Well, there, we don't need any mercy for that. That's that's just. What is that? That's just paying what you what what it's worth. I need God to step in and say mercy, goodness, overflow. I need him to say, I see you down the road. I'm going to take care of you like you're down the road. Well, God's supplying all of our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And let me just say this, and I will quit with this. If he's not, it's not on his side. It's right up here between the ears, and we can change that. You cannot get out of debt or you cannot acquire things until you believe that God wants to prosper you. Not just supply you, just he wants to, he wants to, he does, he wants to flow it. Now it's going to take a while to get there because we're going to have to renew our minds. So don't be worried about getting up in the morning and you know, there's bullion all around your bed or anything. That might not be the way it happens. But we could start today and say there's more. So we've been praying for paid for houses, paid for cars, debts canceled, bills paid off. They can't find your your debt and they just say it's happening all the time. All the time it's happening. We ought to talk about it because it's it's everywhere. And uh, the Lord is good. So I don't want to leave this earth not experiencing the goodness of God in the financial, the supply realm. I, I've, I've been healed. We, we've all been baptized in the Holy Ghost, miracles. But I want to see that financial realm activated. And so I'm personally, I'm on it. You can get in the ditch about anything, but we, we need to get a little more close to the ditch. Amen. So thank you. I don't know if we're going to go again or not, but we, yeah, we probably will. Thank <laughs> you.